Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Rev. Russell Clark, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebearers, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it is good news, and it is for you. The Bible. The Bible has been translated into 3,589 languages. The Bible app now has 2,877 versions of the Bible in 1,918 languages. How many versions of the Bible can you name? The King James Version. Thou doth not understand it. (laughs) The English Revised Standard Version. The New Revised Standard Version, which Chris Piercy says that's the only translation we need. The New International Version. The Original Greek or Hebrew, as many seminary students like to say, well, this is the original Greek text. The Message Bible, um, a Bible in contemporary language, the Message Remix Bible, um, which is like the Message Bible, but is geared towards teenagers. The Voice Bible, um, some of you probably never heard of that Voice Bible, the Voice is another modern translation that is written like a screenplay. Um, And then there's Word on the Street, which I have up there. This is a Bible that is written like a rap. Um, There are student Bibles, children's Bibles, there's even comic book Bibles. Um, You might wonder, why are there so many different translations and versions of the Bible? It's because its authors are trying to connect us to something that is greater than this book. They're trying to figure out how to reach people on a deeper level in your language, where you are in your life, what speaks to you to connect you to a word from God above. The words and context from more than 2,000 years ago can still reach people young and not so young today in our time, in our context, to the living word, Jesus. So there is a fancy phrase called Lectio Divina. It is Latin for divine reading, spiritual reading, or holy reading. Lectio Divina is about more than just reading scripture. It is about studying scripture, seeking to interpret every word and every phrase. It's about stopping to be silent and truly reflecting on what you have just read. When interpreting scripture, it is important to ask four vital questions. What does this scripture verse say about God? What does it say about me? What does it say about my relationship with God? And what does it say about my relationship with others? And third, it's about meditating on God's word. It is a way of praying the scripture, sometimes reading it out loud and listening to it. My favorite part about this Lectio Divina that is so unique when it comes to reading scripture is how we pray the scripture. If we want to remain with Jesus, we don't just read the scripture and then say, oh, that sounds cool, and then we move on with our lives. No, we read the scripture and then we ask for this word to become alive in us. So it's about reading the scripture, thinking about the scripture, praying the scripture, and then living the scripture. Read, think, pray, live. 
So as we looked at it in our litany from today, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So now look at the prayer that's in your litany in your bulletin and say that with me once more. I think we might have the words on the screen too. Yes. Okay, and say this with me. Lord, your scripture is our life and our breath. It teaches us, it shows us the truth. It rebukes us, it exposes our rebellion, it corrects our mistakes, and it trains us to live in your way. Your word makes us ready to do good. It is only by your word that we are able to do your work. Thank you, Lord, for breathing this word upon us and for living in us. Amen. So once we have prayed over this scripture, our natural response is to start living. We rejoice over it and we seek to live out what it says. Scripture even says in James 1.22, Do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. Just as Jesus said in John 15.4, Remain in me and I will remain in you. So much of the scripture in the, um, in the New Testament connects us to the scripture in the Old Testament. See, Jesus even said in Matthew 5.17, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So is this Word the Bible? Was the Bible with God in the beginning? No. The Word is Jesus. Jesus is the Word, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life, the light of the world. Jesus is God's word sent to us from heaven for humanity. So here's an important distinction to make. The Bible is not God. The Bible points us to God. Jesus is God in human flesh. Jesus is God's word sent to humanity to show us how God loves us. Jesus' life, teaching, death, and resurrection are God's word for humanity. Jesus is one with God. The Bible points us to God in Jesus. So the authority of scripture is that it shows us who God is, but the Bible is not the object of our worship, God is. Though the reason I make this distinction is because Jesus said the most important commandment is what? To love God and to love one another. Everything else is subject to following these two commands first. If something else gets in the way of loving God or loving one another, it's irrelevant. So if the Sabbath keeps us from loving our neighbor, it's irrelevant. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So in other words, rules and Bible verses that get in the way of loving one another are overruled by the central command. The scripture helps point us to God, but if a particular verse or command gets in the way of us loving our neighbor, it's irrelevant. So 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says, without love, we have nothing. Time and time again, Jesus showed us that we put love first. See, the Good Samaritan story says that Jesus told is about caring for someone in need before all the other business that we need to finish. Jesus broke the rules and the scripture verses of the leaders of his day to show that love comes first. And that is ultimately what got him killed because he didn't respect authority. 
So Jesus showed us that scripture is objective, though, when it comes to what really matters. Scripture is not the ultimate authority. God is. Love is. So 1 John 4.10 says God is love. Love is the answer to the question. Love is our guide. So if scripture is being used for anything today but to love God and love one another, it's irrelevant. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful to do good work if we remain in Jesus and his love. C.S. Lewis said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. In John 15, 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. It's very symbolic that Jesus uses this language because where else do we see God as gardener in the Bible? In Genesis, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. God has created the earth for humans to be in this perfect garden. And then in John 20, 15, after Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, Mary Magdalene is crying at the tomb, not knowing where Jesus is. And when Jesus appears to her, she thinks he is a gardener. It isn't until Jesus calls her by name, Mary, that she recognizes that it's Jesus who's been raised from the dead. So Jesus calls God the gardener. Mary mistakes the resurrected Jesus as the gardener. And all of this is a way to say, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Jesus has restored the garden, or God has restored the garden through Jesus. And in Revelation 21.5, it says, See, I am making all things new. He is fulfilling the scriptures, fulfilling the law, to where this word, Jesus, is the ultimate authority. This word of love and grace and being forgiven by the cross and the resurrection is the restoration of the garden and bringing us back to be with God and God's love, to remain in this word, Jesus. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Say that with me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. See, Jesus was talking to his disciples about how if they continue to love each other and they continue to remain in him and his words continue to remain in them, then they will bear much fruit. So he goes on to say that this fruit will last forever. So now, in Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul is talking about what he calls the fruits of the Spirit. He says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Basically, these fruits of the Spirit are the things that we should strive after the most. So Paul says those who live by the Spirit must also keep in step with the Spirit. So in other words, Paul said the exact same thing that Jesus said. If you want fruit to be in your life, then you have to keep living, remaining in Jesus in the Holy Spirit. So back to Jesus. When he was talking about all of this fruit in the chapter right before it in John 14, he was saying how he was sending a messenger, a counselor, to help them out, also known as the Holy Spirit. So if you're not following me yet, Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, which we know today to be a part of God and part of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. I'm sending another part of me to continue to be with you. And if you continue to remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear fruit. So Jesus said, Holy Spirit plus remain in me equals fruit. 
And then Paul said the same thing, only backwards. Fruit equals Holy Spirit plus remaining in the Spirit. So two different places in Scripture talk about fruit coming for those who remain in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And it is when we remain with Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit in this garden that our life will bear fruit. So we will have love and life and peace and more life to come. What I'm trying to point out is this is a big deal. John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. So God has this one message which he is trying to tell us about that keeps being said in numerous ways, in 3,589 languages, in 2,877 versions of the Bible, in 1,918 languages, to reach people on different levels, but the message is the same. We read God's word because we are able to live better when this living word touches our minds and our hearts in God, in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So God is love, and we can be one with this love through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Remain in Jesus, and this love will help you to bear much fruit. The garden is yours. Heaven is yours. This love is yours. With God's living word flowing from our very being, I know the world around us will start to make so much more sense. We will see the truth of how this ancient book points us to God's word in Jesus and brings more and more life to us every day if we remain in this word, Jesus. I mean, how can anything be more exciting? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.